nearly everyone has had a job that just simply sucked. In this podcast, we dive into the terrible workplaces that exist, either due to customer interactions, horrible bosses, bad culture, or environment. Tune in each episode to hear interviews and news stories of why work sucks. Hello, this is Brian Lamar, and I'm your host for another episode of Work Sucks. Work Sucks is a podcast where we talk about all the things that make uh, the work life suck, whether it's bad bosses, bad coworkers, bad environment, safety issues, you name it. We talk about it on this show. Today, we have a special guest named Bethany. Hey, Bethany, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. I'm so glad to be on. Yeah, um, I've been looking forward to, to doing this interview. Uh, we've talked a lot online, and uh, I'm looking forward to hearing your story. So you have a story about a time that work sucked for you. Tell us about that story. <laughs> well, we all have, um, I'm sure, our own little book of collections that we all tell around the campfire with our friends. Um, but there have been a few instances that really you know, kind of push you over the edge a little bit of like questioning how can one work in customer service anymore? And um, a lot of those happened when I worked for um, one of the largest retailers in the world and I was a customer service manager for them. And, um, you know, sticking to company policy when it's such a large company is always more difficult, especially in smaller rural communities. And um, I've been, <laughs> I've been assaulted with a gift card across my forehead. Um, um, by one of the uh, really old women, an elderly lady in the community who didn't like um, this big box tours um, policy on returns. And so it's like a retail ninja star. <laughs> yeah, you. you know, uh, everybody knows them. Started in one of our neighboring states and, um, you know, pretty much took over the world. Um, and we've all worked there at some point, you know, <laughs> and I'm sure everyone's already figured out which company I'm talking about. But Well, we're not going to um, name it so we don't get sued. But uh... <laughs> Exactly. Um, but, you know, it's it's one of those things that uh, we've all kind of had our, you know, stint there. Um, and I actually did about four years in customer service there. And um, I had someone try to throw a car battery at me once. Uh, okay, an actual a, a, car a, battery. Car battery. That's, that's uh, like a... 10, 15 pound item. So mm-hmm. it, didn't, it wasn't successful, obviously. So then they continued to, um, or proceeded to throw their uh, shopping cart into a Krispy Kreme display, donuts everywhere. It was madness. Uh, and then a coworker of mine, um, she had to actually <laughs> ask the man to leave. The police had to be called for him. Um, you know, it's. Um, well, let, let's go back to this. Uh, you getting a car battery thrown at you. Was it like a shot? <laughs> how, how, how did they throw it? So it was, um, I was on the counter and they needed to return the item and it was just a very, very old item. And it was just one of those things we weren't allowed to do. And so he tried to actually pick it up and, and throw it at me across the counter. Uh, and he couldn't, <laughs> <laughs> it made it a few inches and fell back on the counter. Uh, he really tried. Uh, and in his anger, he just grabbed the shopping cart he had brought it in with and then just threw the cart um, into the Krispy Kreme display. And um, I probably should have, I said, I should have said donut. 
that doesn't matter. Sorry. We're not complaining. Sorry. About Krispy Kreme. Uh, actually, not, I, I like I was, like Krispy Kreme. <laughs> it's delicious, and it was devastating to watch it all get destroyed. But did it, um, did yeah. it cause a did it cause a diabetic stampede? I mean, what happened there? You would think everyone in the store would have immediately went into riot mode. It did not happen. Luckily, um, the coworker who stepped in and asked the gentleman to leave, she was able to get everything calmed down and save the save the donuts she could. Uh, <laughs> so, so the world did continue on. Um, but it just goes to show you that right now, and especially even since then, this has been 15 years ago uh, on these, the couple of these stories here that were so bad. Um, society now is even, even crazier. You're hearing even in more erratic stories uh, in public settings, especially for cu- customer service personnel. Um, so it's only gotten more interesting as it goes and more dangerous, if you want to be quite frank about it. Well, I mean, this is just day to day real time. I mean, it doesn't even have to be like you at the customer service counter. I mean, you could be anywhere in a store. You could be in an automotive section, a pet section, whatever, and you're going to catch all kinds of grief from customers these days. I call it the rise of the Karens. Um, and I know that seems a little bit gender specific, but I mean it for both genders. Um, every day now, I, it seems like if I go to a store, I see inconsiderate and just brazenly rude people. I mean, is that is that something that, that you saw like 15 years ago working retail? Oh, absolutely. That's a fair assessment. I've done customer service pretty much for 20 years. Um, you know, I, I started I, my first job was Baskin Robbins. <laughs> you know, I loved that. I, I was in high school. I was a freshman, like, you know, got a job. Everything was great. Um, but of course, even then you would have um, adults um, that would be just absolutely horrible to some of my coworkers and even sometimes myself. Um, and you know, basically taking out adult feelings on, on children in a retail setting. And, and you see it, it's it's showcased in media all the time. You see the little waitress getting yelled at by the businessman in the suit. Um, and these things happen. There's so many times that when people are in these positions of service, especially, um, they're looked at as less than. You know, yeah, it's, um, it's kind of like that uh, that servant attitude that the people get. You know, it, it's the one time in their day that they can feel better than their shitty situation in their life, and so they take it out on others. It's I'm not saying it's right. That's that's not me explaining it away to say it's right. I, I'm just saying I'm trying to trying to understand the psyche of the Karen. Yeah, well, I think it's a lot to do, honestly, with our media. I mean, we are constantly um, overstimulated and um, getting that, you know, that positive effect and the dopamine rush from constant checks of social media uh, in positive ways. Um, We consider, you know, I'm seeing all these advertisement for all of these things that I need to purchase and I buy these things. And, you know, according to social media, now that I have these things, then you know, I'm, I'm better, I'm better than I was, but then you're spending money that you don't have. And then you're stressed out. And then you're, you know, you're driving through Starbucks to grab some coffee. And then all of a sudden, you know, you're screaming at the little girl behind the counter because she didn't make it with the correct milk or something. Um, and it's just residual effects over and over and over again. And we're so outside of the fact, um, you know, human beings are, we're, you know, we need community. We need that, that, small town feel in a big town. And that's why I always loved when I lived out in Portland. It always kind of felt like that. Um, 
we're losing that more and more every day. And I think that's the cause. And I think everyone's just kind of grasping at at straws, trying to figure out what the new normal is. And no one's discovered that's going to be it in a post-pandemic economy, especially. Um, We're all trying to learn what it means to to exist now and how to do that properly. Um, everywhere, everywhere you look, you're having to worry about offending someone, not, um, not being able to um, keep up with gas prices, inflation and things like that and provide for your family. I think everyone is just in a heightened sense of panic mode. And I think it's just bleeding over into their everyday interactions and it's just making the world worse and not better. Yeah, I think you're right on that. I think there's a, there's a lot of um, uh, also the past couple of years we've been in, uh, you want to call it pandemic mode where we're being uh, out in the in the community a little bit less, uh, at least for the last couple of years. It's, it's, it seems like it's getting kind of back to normal where restaurants are full and things like that again. But for uh, quite some time, we I feel like we kind of got isolated from each other. And I think at some point, some people lost the ability to interact with each other in that interpersonal communications kind of kind of way. Oh, absolutely. And and in the age of the Internet, you know, these these are unprecedented levels of technology that no one was prepared for. Um, so we're all just trying to learn um, what it means to live in a, in a tech driven society. Um, and, you know, they're growing pains, right? To everything. <laughs> you know, I, I think at first, you know, when when uh, when the keyboard warrior rose to power uh, back in the I guess the late 90s, early 2000s, you'd see a lot of keyboard warriors just ranting and raving, banging on their keyboard. Board, but it was kind of like um, uh, that, that's where they got their uh, their anger out. And then when you'd see them in in person, it, it, it was funny. I had I had a few what I would consider like Facebook enemies uh, a long time ago, about 10, 15 years ago, <laughs> Facebook enemies. But then um, I'd see them in, in person and we would be cordial. We'd shake hands. We'd actually trade a few niceties, maybe some jokes, whatever. We weren't ever going to be friends, but, it, you know, after sparring online like that. But it was one of those things where uh, we found civility in person, you know, in front of people, in front of kids, in front of, you know, grandma. But uh, but now I don't I don't think that that exists anymore. <laughs> Yeah, no, I think we've kind of moved past that in a lot of ways. Um, you know, like you said, 20 years ago, we had chat rooms, specific chat rooms. We'd go in and discuss specific things. And, you know, people had their niche their niche area of the Internet. And now with social media being such a prominent thing, um, you know, for example, um, TikTok comes out within 24 months. It's on one out of every five devices on the planet. I mean, that's insane in a 24-month period. But now you have TikTok not only being able to teach you recipes, marketing, you're you're having people that are able to go out and remember the TikTok leggings. You know, we are all yeah. being driven by social media. Um, and if we can learn to use that tool in a more positive way in directions of um, teaching people how to vote properly, um, you know, making it a norm to put education first again um you know we a lot of us in our gen we still hashtag the more you know 
we remember that coming on television and it was just little clips of stuff that we needed to know. And um, I think we're also desperate for that dopamine rush of that little bit of happiness that we get from doing that. And if we can find a way to balance that with kind of, you know, getting society back outside more and things like that, I think that I think it's just a mission that our generation needs to take on. And, and I think the, the younger generations would follow suit. So we started this interview and you were telling us a story about when you worked in retail and somebody tried to throw a car battery at you, um, which was <laughs> kind, of, kind of an extreme example of dealing with uh, unruly people in public. So I, I wanted to go back and revisit what with that story that you told um, and see if we can uh, give the listeners any kind of advice if they find themselves in a uh, kind of a retail world or a food service industry uh, type job where they're dealing with somebody who just can't be calmed down, who can't see reason. What What is the advice that you would give to that employee at that point in time that, that's on the front lines of that? Anytime you're going to be working in a public space, you need to evaluate what the emergency protocols are for your situation. Um, you know how exposed you are and know who to call and how fast you can get in touch with someone in the event of an emergency. Um, even now, this was, you know, this is 20 years ago where things were just, it was a different time. Now there are so many, so many more emergency protocols that you have to be aware of. So you have to educate yourself to work in a public space based on, on safety regulations of that business. Um, you have to be able to understand um, exactly who you need to call in the event. Or do you need to be calling your manager, letting them know, um, read people's body language. You know, if someone comes in and they're acting um, in ways that make you very uncomfortable, you need to try to signal, you know, to other employees to try to get you some assistance. Reach out to your manager. Don't risk that. In this day and age, it's just it's just too risky. And your manager will know immediately what to do. They have been trained. Normally, they are they're highly trained in what they need to do in emergency situations. And then they'll call the police if the police need to be involved. Um, I've had situations in the past from um, us having to call the police to get escorts because we've had customers who were um, saying they were going to be in the parking lot, you know, and, and not in like a, um, in like a creepy way, like um, creepy. This was a creepy man. who's basically like, I'll see you when you get off work. And um, my manager was very alarmed by this, but because of the history of the person. And so he actually had the police escort every woman out that night. And, oh, wow. um, and he actually, he knew the police officer and he asked the police officer, cause I lived way out in the country and this is in a little town. And he said, follow her out of town and make sure nobody's following her. And they did, um, because you kind of, kind of know your environment. If you're in a smaller town, you're lucky because you can find out, um, more about these people. If you reach out to local law enforcement, um, and you have to, you have to be educated on everything and you have to be willing to say, Hey, I, I'm not going to be a hero today. I'm going to, I'm going to reach out to my manager. I'm going to let them know I'm going to reach out to the police and you have to get yourself out of dangerous situations. The minute you start, you start feeling that instinct that you're in a dangerous situation. You have to reach out to your managers. Um, that, I mean, you know, that's your, your advice, your advice reminds me of a story uh, a few years back now in Biloxi. Uh, there was a uh, waitress at a, uh, let's just call it a 24 hour restaurant that happens to serve breakfast foods. And uh, mostly that's what people know, know it for. And uh, a new policy for non-smoking had been taken effect uh, across 
uh, all of these restaurants. And a particular waitress was working. Yeah, it, was, it was late at night, you know, past midnight, you know, the crowd. And um, she was working and a fellow came in there, lit up a cigarette. She went over to him and said, hey, sir, we, we don't allow smoking here anymore. And he calmly said, okay, well, and it, hold on a second. And he goes outside with a cigarette. I, I, I believe the story goes that he finished his cigarette, then retrieved a forty-five from his truck and walked back in and shot the lady in the head and killed her dead and then sat down and finished his breakfast. And it's one of those things where in this day and age, there are so many ways that people can can just snap on you. And uh, especially if you're like a late night food uh, service worker, you know, even if you if you do close at, say, like 10 or 11 o'clock at night and you're walking out to your car, somebody could be waiting for you. So, yeah, make keeping your head on a swivel, making sure you know those emergency protocols. And hopefully if you've got a good manager that's going to look out for you. And and I think this, you know, that should something that should be brought up. If you're taking on a management role, you know, you you're offered courses and classes a lot of times within especially big corporations where you can actually learn what to do and learn how to handle those situations. Um, But, you know, when you're a manager, you have to realize you are taking people's lives in your hand. Um, Even let's just say it's not a public um, necessarily something to do with the public. Let's say it's um, extreme weather, um, tornadoes, things like that. When you're in one of these big stores, you know, and a tornado warning goes off, you're in charge to get those people to safety. You have lives in your hands, not only your staff, but your customers. Um, So there is a lot of responsibility. Um, And I just, I feel like in so many ways that if if we could just try to make education um, and focus on mental health a lot in our education system and proper ways to react um, and deal with our feelings, we're, like I said, we're on such a dopamine rush all the time. I just feel like a lot of these things could be handled with, um, if mental health care was addressed uh, regularly and was a normal thing. Um, I feel like it's the one thing that's controlling almost everything in the country and how we don't make that the focus just is beyond me so many people still just brush it under the rug and it's just so so taboo and it's like no this is really affecting how we actually feel comfortable just running to the store like now we have to worry about getting shot up by somebody who had a bad day yeah i think i think you're right there uh mental health uh especially you know in in the workplace uh on all levels you know we we remember the old stories about it used to be kind of a kind of a bit of a tongue-in-cheek but but still serious uh story about postal workers going postal was was a was a phrase for a while and um mental health uh as a as a society as a cultural norm uh mental mental health taking care of mental health has not been uh something that we've ever as a nation uh really addressed properly and i think that it's going to be one of those things kind of like uh medicinal marijuana uh, recreational marijuana and other types of laws like that it's going to have to be states grasping onto it it's going to be have to be from state to state and they're going to have to share they're going to have to uh, shoulder the burden um alone and then as it spreads and becomes kind of a nationwide um less than taboo topic i think that's that's how it's going to have to go but i think it's a slow process 
Oh, definitely. And it's it's baby steps and it's about training our next generations to take the torch. Um, we we need to figure out the steps and we need to be able to hand that off to the next generations and say, OK, you know, you got to keep this going. This is this is what we do. This is how we become a better society. And I don't know if if the path that we're on is leading us down that direction or if we're needing to do a big pivot. Um, I'm hoping that things are looking optimistic, but, um, you know, anytime you turn on the news, it's quite devastating. Everything that you hear left and right is is so disturbing these days. Um, It's it's. It's a scary world out there, um, but you know we we have a responsibility to change it. Um, and I think that a lot of the younger generations are are I think they're understanding that, and in a lot of new ways, I think they're they're getting the picture more so yeah. than we have. The last- yeah, hopefully we can back away from this cliff that we find ourselves at now as as a nation. Uh, and and I guess you're right. The hope is going to come from. Uh, the generations that are going to follow us because, I mean, they've got to carry that torch and they've got to do it right. So uh, there's a lot of lot of pressure, a lot of big shoes for them to fill or, or some shoes for them to create, honestly. <laughs> Absolutely. And they're, they, they have so many possibilities, though. In the age of the Internet, you know, the world's information is at your fingertips and the possibilities are now endless of what what is to come, you know, as far as space travel. And it's a it's a whole new frontier and it lays at their feet. And so a lot of them are you know, they're championing, uh, you know, things like hemp plastics and stuff, you know, things that we started to discover um, in our generation is finally coming um, to fruition for them, that they see the benefit of of pushing something like hemp plastics as opposed to recycling mm-hmm. plastics made from petroleum. Um, so I think the Internet, in so many ways, we've had to suffer the consequences of the new tech, but hopefully the younger generations will be able to use it to actually make some pretty good differences um, for the next generation to come after them. Yep. Well, all right, uh, Bethany, I think this is a, a good natural stopping point for this interview. Unless you've got anything else that you want to talk about, I'm going to go ahead and, uh, and, and put it to bed now. No, that was it. I think that was great. Okay. Well, again, thank you very much for coming on the show. Um, I'm glad that you're you're good at dodging car batteries and, uh, <laughs> and still here to tell us this story. Thank you so much for having me. I hope you have a great day. You too. Bye. Bye. This has been an episode of Work Sucks. Work Sucks is a podcast in the Lamar Communications Group. For questions or a chance to have your story featured on this podcast, email the host at brian.lamar1453 at gmail.com.